interned at it was interning at I can't remember if he was interning at CBS or Sony, but and somehow he was on the Sony lot and he tells the story that it was during Breaking Bad and he tells the story that he was standing in the hallway with his boss and he turns and he and he hears like a southern drawl yeah. in his right ear. He turns and there's Vince. Yeah. <laughs> Just standing there talking about breaking bad shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean he was there at Sony from time to time, so your friend did not lie. But uh, but yeah, no, we're not we're not there that often. Oh Jesus. So. All right. Jen Hutchinson. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are yeah. you? First we're finally meeting. I know. It's, I know. We know so many people. We know a ridiculous it's number of people <laughs> in common. I just I guess it's just because this town is so small. It really is small. Yet still as difficult as ever to break into. Totally. It's, totally. It's <laughs> it's weird how small it is, yet also how much it acts like um, a giant corporation. I was actually just going to say that though it is a small town, it's like a it's more a neighborhood town. Yes. You know, like it's like a, the business is a giant city, and you have. Specific neighborhoods, and so like you know everybody in your neighborhood, right? And I think we just so you know everyone in in the Sony neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) and and you know I was an assistant for a long time, so I kind of you know moved around to a lot of different neighborhoods, and so I just tangentially know people. Um, But there are whole. That's a good way to put it because the geography of the town is a neighborhood is neighborhoodly. Not like I know a lot of people in the valley. But couldn't tell you shit about anyone in Echo Park. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, if you live over there, God bless you, because I would like to live over there. It's really nice. But this. <laughs> but I don't know anything about the people over there. But over here, it's like, I got, I, I started very, not that long ago to start um, making Cheers friends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The ones where it's like, you'll go to a place, you're like, oh, what's oh, up, yeah, person? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who I only recognize because we both come here from time to time. Yeah. I don't even know your name. Hey, hey. Literally, I just learned the name of my neighbor who always says hi to me like three <laughs> weeks ago. I've been living here for four years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's just, I guess, an L.A. thing. Yeah. I don't get out much or else I would have like no. place friends. Before we go any further, just a quick note that if you want, that if you're listening to this on wordtetris.com or on iTunes or whatever your podcatcher is of choice, uh, you'll get the first 20 minutes for free. If you want to hear the full episode, get the full Jennifer Hutchinson experience, head over to patreon.com slash wordtetris, sign up for the $1 in episode tier, you get the full hour, sign up for the $3 in episode tier, you'll get the full hour plus a bonus episode that will come out tomorrow. So get on that. Jen, what is your relationship with rewriting? Do you What's hate my- it? Do you love it? Do you want to burn scripts every time you're doing it? Like, what? You know, where do you stand with it? Um, rewriting for me is I I don't hate rewriting. Um, I always feel like the thing I hate most in writing is drafting, like getting my initial draft on the page. That's the hardest part for me. Um, so for me, rewriting is better because I at least have a thing a thing that I'm fixing. Like I'm better at the idea of like, this isn't working right. How do I fix it? As opposed to like, it's a blank page and you could do anything you want. And I'm just like, well, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. How do you feel about when you have, do you often have detailed outlines or are you often going from board to script with skipping like any sort of type of detail outline on better call saw we have detailed outlines so we'll we do a board a very detailed board and then you take that and you'll write like 
you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 16 page outline, um, pretty detailed. And so I'll usually take that and kind of import it into my script file. But even that, you know, you're still kind of like filling in a lot of spaces and, and things that were more in the subtext, you know, you have to actually really kind of figure out how to make those work. I started doing that last year where I was making outlines, copying and pasting the outline because then it's so much nicer. Because it also, is. also for me, I, I will then write it out of order. And yeah, be like, yeah. I'm just going to write scene four. I'm just going to write, you know, act four today. It's fuck, why not? Like, yeah. And yeah. It, it's, it's freeing because then I can write, what's the thing I actually want to write today? And then the rest of it just fills itself out because eventually it's like, well, I guess now I have to write this other thing so that way we can get to the good shit. Like, yeah. It's, and it's the art of rewriting before writing, I have figured out because when you're, because you can, you're still rewriting outlines. Yeah. And yeah. when you're in that outline stage, I feel that it's much, easier to toy with it than after you've written the draft. It is. I mean, technically, most writing is rewriting, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, From day one. From day one, because you're always adjusting things. Um, I, too, like from time to time to do the skip around thing. Um, The only problem is sometimes you end up writing all the scenes you wanted to write, and then you're stuck with all these terrible scenes that you didn't want to write that are really hard. Not that they're bad scenes, but just like – they're the most intimidating scenes. So then you, you're stuck writing like five intimidating scenes in a row. Ugh. And that, that's, that's, that's the cautionary tale of skipping around. <laughs> I don't know. Because what I found is there have been pilots I've written where there are scenes that are like that, where it's like these, this is the really, it's, it's funny. So oftentimes, at least the last time, two times I've done it, cause I've done it tw- on the last two scripts, the intimidating scenes I usually ended up starting with, cause they were the scenes that I ended up conceiving first. And conceived around. So, like, the last drama, they were a drama and a comedy on the drama, it ends on a very, very important suicide. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that scene before anything else had been written because that's the one that was, I was living with that scene forever. Yeah. As like the scene that propelled me to want to do the script. And I, I felt that, like, I, and there was something about doing it first that, I also think freed me up to, I can just, this can be bad. This can right, be bad right. for right now because I just need to get it. I just need to build its framework on paper and then I can make it more. And then I ended up making it more intense by literally just basically making it shorter. Like that's <laughs> yeah. all I did. But once you trim it out and made it brisker, it became a much more intense, um, oh my God, that dude just blew his brains out moment. Um and, but uh, when you're doing it on a show like, you know, here's the, here's what I'm curious for rewriting, especially for a show like uh, Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, you know, walking the tonal lines that right. that show walks, that all, that world walks, which is like, it's a drama, but it's also kind of funny, but it's not a comedy, and there's some sick shit in this. How do you, how do you walk those lines? Are you walking, is it from day one, those, the, where the lines are for... We don't want to go too much comedy, but we don't want to be too dark, and we want to be, but we don't want to be light. Is that all come in the rewriting, or does that happen in draft one? Usually, when we break, when we were breaking a scene, if there is some sort of like darkly comic aspect to it, like that is inherent when we break it, you know. So uh, we're cognizant of those kind of tonal issues a lot of time. Sometimes that's the whole point of the scene is to create the sort of weird tonal moment. Um, So those are usually inherent when we sit down to write it. Um, 
refining that tone and making it work is really what happens in the rewrite. So, you know, we'll go in with the intent and then it's really about dialing it in. Do you have uh, like a good example where it was really a struggle to walk that line? The scene I always talk about because it's sort of one of the more interesting scenes that I got to write on Breaking Bad was – I talk about it all the time is the scene where, you know, Walt, Skyler, and Jesse all have dinner together. Um, and it's this scene that, you know, Walt and Skyler are basically locked in this battle of wills. Um, and Jesse is just sort of stuck in this really uncomfortable situation. It's kind of like your divorced parents are like, you're stuck while they have this fight across the table. And he's just mm-hmm. trying to be polite and light throughout, but there's a really intense thing happening between those two. And so, you know, really getting that to the right feeling was was hard, you know, because you didn't want Jesse to be too over the top because then it's like he's unaware of what's going on. Um, and you didn't want the battle of wills between Walt and Skyler to become too explicit because then, you know, why is Jesse even talking at all? Right. So that was a real delicate kind of playing with the absurdity in that scene. I'm curious about writing a character. Jesse as a character fascinates me from a writer's perspective mm-hmm. because it almost feels like he was built out of the mantra of you need should, you should be able to identify a character's voice on the page without mm-hmm. seeing their name. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah. when you think about if I when I think about why like why is Jesse talk the way he talks, part of it feels like it's just so he can be identified. He's an identifiable character through by uh, like if you look at the, reading a script and someone's a bitch nine times out of ten it's Jesse the one saying it right so you immediately know okay this is Jesse's line and then right. I, if I took those names out you'd still know it was Jesse's line yeah like, like it just seemed like an, it was a very easy way to define his character through a word that is also a very offensive way to for a character to be defined yeah that's interesting because that's definitely not the intent in creating that character and I would also argue that. You know, I think especially for Breaking Bad, but a lot of shows, if you took all the names off the characters, you would be able to follow it anyway if you're familiar with the show. You know, Walt sounds like Walt. Hank sounds like Hank. You know, they all have a particular way of speaking. Um, Yeah, Jesse's just, you know, he was supposed to just be like this little shit, you know, (laughs) and he talked like a little shit and or what, you know, Vince's kind of conception of that would be. And then it just sort of grew from there. And then he ended up turning into this kind of weird, not moral, but more moral than Walt, you know, kind of voice. Now, you know, when you say, you know, Hank sounds like Hank, Walt sounds like Walt, or in Better Call Saul's case, Jimmy sounds like Jimmy, et cetera, et cetera. You know, how much of that do you think is defined, however, by the fact that when by the time they it reaches screen, actors have taken the roles over and it's like, well, Walt sounds like Walt because it's Brian Cranston's Walt. Like, yeah. How do those? How do you like when you're trying to do address that problem in a in a pilot, like an original pilot for a young writer, right? And you're trying to address that problem of because that's probably I think that's the biggest note the up and coming writers get is everyone sounds the same. Yeah. Yeah. And how in that? How do you address that without the aid of an actor coming in and now taking over the role, so the role does sound unique. Well, the thing is, though, I mean, it's not like we just wrote lines and then Brian said, well, I would say it like this. I mean, the way we – Walt uses words that Jesse would never use. Jimmy has a distinct pattern in the way he speaks that Mike would never sound like that. So it is in the writing um, in the sense of like – 
how they talk, the the how long are their sentences? Do they say, you know, do they say maybe, you know, uh, things like that. And then that actor also kind of puts their own voice to that. They interpret what that is. So, you know, when you've been on a show for a long time, like on Better Call Saul, you start to hear the actors in your voice. So it makes it easier to write. When you're doing an original pilot and you get that note, um, that's super important. And I've written pilots. It's a super important thing that you have to think about because you, as you said, you don't have the benefit of the actors. So I think it is important to go through and just think, you know, I have this character who is this sort of like natural salesman, a little bit sleazy, you know, likes to, likes to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And how do I communicate that in that dialogue? I have this guy, he's a fixer. He's a tough guy. He only says as much as he has to say and nothing else. What Mm -hmm. does that look like? So you at least get that feel, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and then you can kind of go from there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can give, like you said with Jesse, Jesse uses slang that nobody else would use. And you want to do it in a natural way. It has to make sense for the character. But those are our ways to ways to do that do you think that that's the kind of thing you should have to figure out beforehand or that is that to me sounds like the, the perfect thing that rewriting's for is getting yeah. it all out and then thinking about how would they actually talk and then going back in and will you have let's say you have a line a generic version of a line you know and then they go okay now how what's the actual way this person this specific way this person would say this thing and then I, the way i thought about it and i used to talk about it is you, re- rewriting is about putting the script into a box. You by create, you write the script, and then you say, "All right, what's my template that I want? What are the rules that I am assigning myself for the script?" So, no, I, you know, even functionally, you know, act, no action slot can go above two lines. Uh, every everybody has to speak in three sentences or less, and so on. And then by doing that, you create consistency and right. flow. And I feel like, and that's, and that should be stuff that you shouldn't really have to worry about in that first draft, but you should absolutely obsess over in the rewrite. That's, that's really interesting because that is not at all how I think about, okay, about rewriting and, 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 and how you do it. I, I guess I always come from a place of, I think when you're doing your first draft, for me, a first draft is literally just getting the story on the page and like, a lot of times it means writing in the dialogue the text of what they're saying. And then when I go back and rewrite, I make it subtextual, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like if the scene is about two characters arguing about something they want, you know, in the final version, they're not going to literally say what they want. But in the draft, it's like, I'm mad at you because you did this. Well, I'm mad at you because you did that. And then you go through and you change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your character voice might not really be there because you're just trying to get like what the point of the scene is on the page. So then, yes, in rewriting, you would go through and say, okay, well, how would you know, Jane actually say, I'm mad at you because you did this. Jane would never literally say that because she's not the type of person who says what she means. Right. How far out of her way would she go? Would she be like, nothing's wrong? Or would she be like, I just really feel like when I say this thing, you're not listening. And and that's when you apply those things. Um, the stuff about only, you know, only this many lines per thing, nobody talks more than that stuff that I don't really think about because I'm just thinking really specifically about each individual character, you know? And so... And it comes out of what you're saying. uh, I think this is a perfect example of where the divide is between scripts meant to be read and scripts meant to be shot. Where the scripts meant to be read, you have to take the reader's experience into account. And you don't want that thing to be a slog. When you're writing a a, uh, 
And slog in the sense of, you know, when it's intimidating to see a script that has like an entire paragraph of of action slugs and then one sentence of dialogue and then another. And I'm saying that because I just read a pilot like that, where and it was like a, a pilot that's going, like it, it's greenlit, mm-hmm. it's being shot right now. And it's like to and reading all the pilots, it, they're all kind of written in that sense because they're being written to be shot, and it's the writer imparting as much information as possible to the to the various creative teams and it's i don't know because it's it's it feels like it's such a hard balance to walk for young writers it uh, is that that sense of like how do you to build the script into a thing where it's it has to be it has to be as good as breaking bad but also does has doesn't get to live uh as freely as breaking bad in the sense of breaking bad wasn't a spec script it was you know, it was a sold thing. And Vince wrote that script with the, okay, someone's buying this. Here, I'm buy- he sold the pitch. He sold the script. And then they made the pilot. But he wrote that pilot with, the, like, you know. And he, now he got, he did the one thing that a lot of people don't do, which is he got creative, as we talked about, with, like, the script. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why it's one of the better scripts that everyone gravitated towards back in 2007. I don't know. It's just the, the re, it's so, and when you're in the rewrite, it's hard to decide what to obsess over. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't, it's interesting. I don't necessarily, I don't ever think the script is meant to be read and the script is meant to be shot. Mm-hmm. To me, they're all kind of the same thing. Like I'm telling a story. Right. The meant to be shot stuff is, you know, when you're on a television show, you have to make sure that you really highlight your props and things like that. Um, whereas you might not necessarily be as clear about that and other things, but I don't know. I still think that when you read a script, I want, when someone reads a script I have written, I want them to be able to see it Mm -hmm. in their head. So I do write action. And the other thing I do, because, um, I've learned not to write blocking as much into scripts unless it's like absolutely, you know, needed of like, you know, she has to grab, you know, she grabs him as he walks by. But like, I try not to wait. Then he stands and crosses and they continue to talk. Like, I try, but I try to write emotional states. So, you know, if the character, uh, what's motivating the character, and then that actor might decide that that motivates them to stand. So, you know, my action stuff is, because there's always this rule of like, only write what you can see. But sometimes- I've never heard that rule before. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that rule. Yeah. Um, and and sometimes what you, to me that actually does extend to the emotional states of your characters because if you have an actor, they're going to be showing you those feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget that. So I do think that results in people writing stuff in dialogue that they don't need to, that would p- play on an actor's face. Right. So sometimes when I write, I actually write that that should play on their face. Right. Um, and to me that is a mix of like writing it so that it can be read and also so it can be well, filmed. It, it, it's, you know? it's, it's just, it's, it's hard because if it's weird, you know, you know, if you're, if you have a book, it's all about being subtle, right? Mm-hmm. And, and subtlety is the name of the game. But when you're writing scripts, it's not about subtlety in those scripts because you, why are you hiding information from the people that have to perform it? Right. Right. The, like, why are you hiding? Like, but but if you write an explicit and say like, well, this is the feel, this is the emotion of this moment, this is like, you know, why they're doing this. Is, you, if you can't. To hear the rest of this episode, head on over to patreon.com slash word Tetris.